You're listening to Crow's Cast, a podcast by USF St. Petersburg's student newspaper, The Crow's Nest. This week, we'll be discussing politics. Hello, and welcome to Crow's Cast. My name is Trevor Martindale, and I'm the managing editor of The Crow's Nest. I'm here with Molly. Hello, I'm uh, Molly Ryan, and I am the op-ed and features editor of The Crow's Nest. On this episode, we'll be discussing the Supreme Court and Tuesday's presidential debate. On September 18th, uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away from complications with pancreatic cancer. The Crow's Nest offers our condolences to her family. Her death sparked a political tidal wave, basically. There's a huge debate on President Trump's right to appoint a Supreme Court justice right before the election. And, and a lot of people pointed back to Merrick Garland, who was appointed seven months out from an election by President Obama, and uh, the Republican-led Senate blocked that, uh, that nomination from being appointed. Um, so a lot of people are saying, if you blocked Merrick Garland, you also should block Amy Coney Barrett, who is now the nominee from President Trump. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on this, Molly? Well, it's interesting because back in 2013, Obama addressed RBG directly about the potential situation that could arise if she did not retire her seat to ensure that the seat could be filled by a more liberal-leaning judge with the conservative majority that is in the Supreme Court before the 2014 election, which did end up becoming exactly the case that we um, are currently in. And going back to what you said about the appointment uh, process, concerns are being risen about the fallacies in the appointment process and contradictions on behalf of the Republican Party um, in regards to the situation with Merrick Garland. And the makeup of the court could change even more if uh, Trump is reelected and the 6-3 majority that they would have with uh, Amy Coney Barrett would uh, could potentially be strengthened through uh, Clarence Thomas, who's getting older and older, um, retiring and uh, doing what Ginsburg uh, did not do. Yeah, and it's funny you talk about the makeup of the court because since Trump was elected, he has changed the makeup of the court dramatically, not just in the Supreme Court, but in starting in the district courts up to the Supreme Court. And something people really aren't talking about is the, uh, you know, if we look back to 2000, the Gore-Bush decision, um, Bush won off of a Supreme Court decision. Um, decisions, Supreme Court decisions can dictate the, uh, who the president is. And if we, if we look at a 6-3 majority with uh, Justice Roberts' uh, you know, swing vote being practically invalidated if, if Coney Barrett's on the court, then you could see um, you know, Trump challenging mail-in ballots or um, you know, just the vote um, in a certain state that could swing the election could be challenged in court. And I think, you know, undoubtedly, a conservative court of 6-3 would side with Trump. We're here the day after the first presidential debate. What did you think about uh, what happened last night? Um, well, it was just extremely chaotic. Um, the debate, I don't think, was helpful for undecided voters. It wasn't helpful in terms of differentiating policy and plans for the office. But I think it was effective in showing like competency of either cam- candidates because um, as it was revealed, I think Trump was extremely 
un- underprepared for the debate. And mm-hmm. yes, Biden was struggling a little bit, but the general consensus among non-Trump supporters was that Trump's performance was completely inappropriate. Yeah, I think that that Biden did just as well as I expected him to. I didn't expect him to destroy Trump. I didn't expect him to like I I figured that, you know, the whole debate would kind of depend on how Trump was doing and how he handled the interactions with Biden. And I think the reason Biden won in my opinion is that Trump underperformed. I think Trump kind of uh seemed unorganized and shoddy with his ad hominems where he would just attack Joe Biden out of nowhere and he would interrupt and he just seemed and I know like people don't expect Donald Trump to be like quote unquote presidential but it's like he took it to like the next level where at least in 2016 when he was debating all the Republicans in the primary and you know regardless of how you know I guess mean or insensitive he was or offensive he was he at least like you know i guess showed more like charisma and yeah. was kind of more precise about his points and arguments and i think in in this debate he honestly was kind of like all over the place and just it seems like he was spouting conspiracy theories yeah this <laughs> this debate i think even for trump it was quite shocking um a lot of the things he said and the places he went like the thing I thought was particularly shocking was when he brought up Hunter Biden. Mm. And, and it's just interesting because Biden could have clapped back pretty easily with talking about Trump's children. Mm. But I think it just went to a very personal place when it went there. And it, it was just nobody wanted to hear that, really. But um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like he brought up Hunter because he wanted to bring up the whole like the Ukraine. Ukraine thing. Yeah. But, like, it just came across as, like, honestly offensive because there are a ton of people in our country that struggle with drug addiction. Yeah. And if you just make fun of that and use that as a personal attack, you're offending a lot of people who just have a legitimate struggle. So, you know, going into the substance, yeah, <laughs> if there was ahead. any, they kind of split up the the debate topics into COVID-19, the economy, the Supreme Court, race relations, and yeah. election integrity. Those are kind of like the main topics that they went over. Um, so I guess, first of all, COVID-19, how do you think that segment went? That one, I think, really, to be honest, was the least turbulent. It was really just them going back and forth saying, uh, Biden saying, you handled this very terribly, and then Trump saying, no, I didn't. <laughs> it was just, I mean, the entire debate was just incredibly disturbing, but I feel like that part was kind of just, I don't know, an eye roll in comparison to the rest of the debate. Yeah. And, and like yeah. like I was saying earlier, like I think Biden kind of just did just as well as I expected him to. But when it comes to COVID-19, I think he did underperform in this section because if you look at like poll after poll, it shows that the voters really care about COVID-19. Yes. Like that's the number one issue because it's affecting everyone's life, right? Yeah. And hundreds of thousands of people have died. Yeah. I think and, it should have been more... And yeah, it's like Biden needs to really highlight like and be concise about how he failed. So so the next thing, like I'm not like going in in perfect order here. I'm just kind of I kind of wrote down the sections. But, um, you know, he talked about that. They brought up the economy. Yeah. And just the thing that stood out to me here, because like it was just again, like any other section, it was just a bunch of rambling and people yelling at each other and a bunch of (laughs) statements that were not true being said. Yeah. But the thing that really stood out to me in this section was. Trump, like any, he's done this before, where he goes and he's like, oh, the the pre-COVID-19, like before the pandemic, yeah. we had the best economy, yes. like high job growth. And this is another part where I think Biden had a little bit of a shortcoming. He needs to say like, pre-COVID-19, like it happened. Like we are in this mm-hmm. pandemic. 
Yeah. And so, like, we're talking about the now, not the before. So I think Biden could have done a far better job at pointing that out. I actually think Biden did have the leg up in this conversation because of talking about the recession and um, being on the Obama administration. Another big thing, obviously, that they were talking about is the Supreme Court and yeah. um, Trump nominating Amy Coney Barrett. And I think Biden handled this very well. Mm -hmm. He handled it as well as he possibly could have. And I think I actually think Trump handled this very well, too, because, you know, regardless of what you're saying is true or not. Yeah. Like if you say like, oh, if you just deflect in a debate, a lot of people aren't going to go after the debate and like do their research and try to understand what's what what are the facts and what are not. And so when Trump's like saying like, oh, how is uh, Roe v. Wade on the ballot? You don't know her stance on Roe v. Wade, blah, 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 blah. It kind of invalidates. All, all the arguments Biden's making with it being on the ballot. And then mm-hmm. I think rhetorically in that art, specific argument right there, I think Trump kind of won that part. Yeah. But where I think Biden did well and the best he could have, frankly, is when they were asking him about court packing. And he was like, okay. And I, it, was, it was a very political answer where he was yeah. like, he didn't answer it. It was kind of a non-answer. But I think yeah. that was the best way to go because regardless if you're like packing the court or not that's a very controversial point so if you go one way or the other it'll <laughs> anger a lot of people yes. and it could be used as like an attack ad honestly if you say i'm packing the court and then mm-hmm. the republicans can say oh he's doing like a coup taking over the third branch something like that mm-hmm. i think it was the best best approach he could have had so you know another thing that i think honestly was the most interesting and alarming frankly mm-hmm. <laughs> part for me was the uh discussion on uh election integrity so <laughs> When Trump continued to deny, um, you know, uh, I guess faith in the electoral process, mm-hmm. it was really scary. And like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not shocked. I, I'm not surprised. I, I expected him to do that. Yeah. But I think, I think this was Biden's best part. I think mm-hmm. Biden was like, vote, 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 and mm-hmm. he was very, you know. Yeah, he clearly addressed the camera and told people to go out and vote, which I think was a very effective tactic to just directly look at the camera and say this is your time and this is your power and you're right yeah exactly and it's just like you know from any american's perspective no matter how you are like lean left or right Mm -hmm. you know as an american you can understand that democracy is a core american value and i think that would land well with anyone and but but when you have you know trump responding saying like oh i want people to be poll watchers and to like watch the ballots like it's so bizarre, and, like, I can't help but be fearful of the potential for violence on election. Yeah, that like, is going to be a scared. problem. I can foresee that being a problem. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I really hope not, but I, yeah. it's just scary because, you know, when you're, like, anyone in a position of power where you can have that much sway over the actions and and thoughts of people, mm-hmm. um, if you, like, plant the seed, there's obviously um, the potential for people to act in immoral ways. I think... Biden did do pretty well in this section because he, I think he just, it was very evident that he just took the conversation a lot more seriously. And and I think one last thing we can discuss, which was kind of brief in the debate, um, Mm -hmm. was like the environment. So, (laughs) I mean. I think Biden did well in this as well by saying what he would do. But the one thing that was kind of problematic was saying that he was going to go through with the Green New Deal and then and then Wallace, yeah, I think he, he he misspoke. Yeah, he did. He didn't. Yeah. Mis- yeah, he misspoke. And, you know, even though I don't think it would be effective, I do think that the uh, Republicans are going to use that uh, mis- misspoken line yeah. in a commercial. So highs and lows for each candidate. High for Donald Trump. I think he brought up some very relevant issues 
with or at least some very relevant weak points with Biden. Like he did bring up the 1994 crime bill, Mm. which I was shocked to hear that he brought up. I was very frankly impressed that he brought that up because Joe Biden was the architect of the 1994 crime bill. Um, Yeah, I think that was definitely a strong suit for Trump. Um, Strong point for Biden. I think he overall, I think he just handled Trump's composure pretty well. A specific high point was when he, I wouldn't say not defended Antifa, but when he kind of debunked what Trump was saying about Antifa. I was surprised to hear him say that because I wasn't sure if he was really aware of the situation, which is scary that we have to be weary of our presidential candidates being unaware of situations that are going on. But I was presently surprised with him kind of deflecting that. So for me, I think the high point for, I'll go with Joe Biden first. I think the high point for Joe Biden was he, um, at times, I think he should do it more often. Unfortunately, I, I think people are like, this is kind of why we didn't like the debate. Mm-hmm. But I think to, to beat Trump in a debate, you kind of need to play his game and like use his formula. So when Biden was saying like, would you just shut up, man? <laughs> or like, this clown. Like, yeah. You know, that those parts made me laugh. Yeah. And I think if Biden does that more often because Trump is willing to bring up, you know, things about his family or personal mm-hmm. attacks. And then if he's willing to do that, like you can't, you know, falter. You have to come back with the same energy, I think. Unfortunately, I, I don't think that we should aspire for uh, all of our presidential debates to be like this. But unfortunately, in the time we're in, in the candidates with the candidates that we have, we kind of have to encourage Biden to, to play the game. Um, But um, I guess uh, the the best part for Trump, I think this is very disingenuous, but it's effective. So when when Trump frames everything, and I know I just said this before, how like I thought it was disingenuous and it was wrong and it was just uh, a lie. But when when Trump says like before COVID-19 pandemic, I had the best numbers, this, this and that. I think Trump is very good and he will always be very good at at, like kind of marketing himself. Mm -hmm. And when he does that, I think he kind of like deflects the attention that like is on all of his failures so i think that actually does work and i I think it's actually pretty effective so i think that's like overall like the best part of of trump's performance yeah i mean there's a reason why he has such a large following it's because he's charismatic to so many people and that debate was a clear representation of his personality and his just way of acting yeah okay so Let's go into the lows. Lows for Biden. I mean, just addressing the obvious, I think Biden didn't know how to handle a lot of Trump's kind of abrasive comments. And sometimes he didn't even know how to handle some of the questions he got from Wallace. So I think it's just they're old. They would both be the oldest presidents ever Mm -hmm. if either one of them were to get elected. But um, you can tell with Biden, you can tell that it's kind of a th- cognitive thing. Low low point for Trump definitely is just his, I mean, can I say his overall demeanor? Just so much of his behavior was inappropriate. And even Wallace, who's a Fox News commentator, who is probably ideologically more aligned with Trump, just really was fed up with his behavior. I'm going to agree with you on Mm -hmm. Biden's low point in the sense that I think when Trump 
because you you can't expect Trump not to interject mm-hmm. and interrupt and name call. And I think Biden didn't handle it very well, where he would just say like, "Oh, come on, man!" And like, yeah. like like I said, when he said like, "Will you just shut up?" or mm-hmm. "You're a clown," I think that stuff lands mm-hmm. when he's being interrupted. But um, he kind of only did that um, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I think if he did that every time, then he would have gotten some maybe some applause from the eighty person audience. I don't know, but <laughs> you know. He, I think he needs to just be kind of more, I guess, solidified in his demeanor. and Assertive. Ne- yeah, and assertive. And he needs to, I guess, just combat Trump's offensive, and not, not like offensive in the sense that I'm offended, but he's mm-hmm. on the offense, mm-hmm. um, his offensive uh, strategy. And I think Trump's low point, and, and like, I think it's pretty obvious. I think the low point was him failing to condemn white supremacy. Yeah. And, you know, it was just handed to him on a silver platter, like, here, condemn white supremacy, and he failed to do it. And that's obviously a contentious debate of people saying, oh, he's racist, oh, he's not racist. And when you fail to condemn white supremacy, mm-hmm. like, what conclusion do you think people are going to come to? That, that's, that's a no-brainer, in my opinion. So I think that's definitely the low point. And that's all for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe and turn on that notification bell to get updates on when our videos come out. And tune in next week for the second episode of the University Life Podcast.